Welcome back to Pace Immigration, paceimmigration.com, talking once again with immigration lawyer Michael O'Rourke. Michael, good to see you. Hi, Sean. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, a topic today which comes up now and then, I think, during political upheaval, I hear about this a lot, where people say, I'm, I'm going to leave the country or something like this, uh, but it's, what I want to get it right, expatriation, renunciation of U.S. citizenship, sounds like a pretty serious topic. It is. It is. It's expensive, time-consuming, and serious. But right. So let's uh, let's just dive right in because I think it's going to be. There's a lot of material to cover, but we're going to try and make it as interesting as possible. Uh, we've got uh, expatriation is the formal renunciation of U.S. citizenship before a diplomatic or consular officer outside of the United States. That one kind of struck me because you have to do this stuff in person. Is that right? Like this is a serious business. You have to go to the consular office. That kind of thing. Yes, exactly. And uh, there are multiple meetings with the consular officers uh, and with your lawyers and hopefully with your tax advisors, because this is a fairly uh, in-depth and it is a very serious process because at the end of it, you are leaving behind your U.S. citizenship. Okay. Uh, the right to give up U.S. citizenship cons considered a fundamental and personal right. Talk about that a bit. So uh, fundamental rights are ones that the government cannot interfere with. Uh, so um, uh, the right to vote, for instance, there it can only be uh, abrogated in certain contexts and in circum certain circumstances. Uh, this is a fundamental right found in the 14th Amendment uh, per interpretation of the Supreme Court that a U.S. citizen has the right to leave their U.S. citizenship behind, to give up their U.S. citizenship, to say, I no longer want to be part of this political entity and to have the benefits and obligations of U.S. citizenship. Right. Now, as you've indicated here, it has to be voluntary. Yes. Okay. Uh, voluntary and irreversible. You're going to hear those words over and over <laughs> again today. <laughs> yeah, we have we have a we have a great big message on the screen about that in a little bit. Uh, let's carry on here. Who can actually do this? So adults over 18 can do this. Once you get somebody younger than 18, it gets much more difficult to do so. Theoretically, uh, those between 16 and 18 can do it but it's almost never allowed. Uh, uh, this is because uh, giving up U.S. citizenship is considered quite a detrimental act, at least in the eyes of the U.S. government. Uh, and uh, it is, uh, th there are certain safeguards in place to just make sure that a person doing this is actually doing it voluntarily and that there is no undue influence, no force uh, in their coming to the decision. So uh, for instance, a 17 and a half year old may decide that they've tired of the US. Uh, it, the consular officers would accept the application in most jurisdictions, but there would be many rounds of questioning and questioning outside of the presence of the parents to make sure that this is truly their own decision and that it's not been procured by force or uh, by any sort of uh, stress or undue influence. Right, I like that you've got here as well, you cannot become stateless. So it's not like someone in a fit of peak 
could uh, throw away their U.S. citizenship. There has to be somewhere they're going to. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, U.S. policy does not allow statelessness. Uh, it, it is just uh, you have to belong to somewhere. Um, uh, you, uh, there is uh, a movement called the Sovereign Citizen Movement, and I do believe that uh, somebody tried to give up their U.S. citizenship without having any other citizenship, and that was not permitted. Right. You, I've heard people say this before because I, I did a lot of traveling uh, in my former life when I was doing a lot of video and stuff around the world. And you would hear people say, well, I'm a global citizen. And I never quite they, they were kind of messing with me, weren't they? Uh, well, maybe I, I, I call myself a global citizen, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, but I still have a couple passports. Right. I, yeah. This was a couple of people saying like they had no passport or something like that. And I thought that was very odd. I didn't think you could get away with that. That really only happens uh, in cases of long-term refugee populations where, um, say, uh, your family is internally displaced, you move to a country where you're not able to get citizenship, your former government either won't recognize a birth abroad or birth through, um, uh, or citizenship through the birth from your parents, and then you are born in this jurisdiction which won't issue you a passport. Uh, That's really the only true statelessness that um, is not done through political act. Uh, some countries can revoke their citizenship, and the UK has become one of them, uh, for instance, where they have given Parliament the power to uh, revoke a UK citizen's citizenship and leave them without citizenship. But that is very rare. Interesting. Okay, I'll keep us on track a little bit with the US citizenship. Uh, you've got it here emblazoned. Uh, once the renunciation process is completed, <laughs> irrevocable and irreversible, you stress this a lot, don't you? Yes, because it is. Um, it, it is not only irrevocable, it is irreversible. So if you have gotten to the point in the renunciation process where you have signed the oath of renunciation, uh, you are, for all intents and purposes, expatriated. Technically, that moment comes when the State Department issues the Certificate of Loss of Nationality. But if you were to then decide, well, okay, I miss being a U.S. citizen. I want to vote. I want to be able to work in the U.S. You have to go the long way around. And if that is either a visa or being sponsored by a spouse or a relative who's still U.S. citizen, uh, it's going to take a number of years to get back to that point where you can then become a U.S. citizen again and exercise the rights of a U.S. citizen. Okay, so it's a pretty much a one-way street. Uh, so let's get to the crux of it. Where why would someone give up U.S.? I mean, we've talked about you know maybe a fit of peak or something where someone doesn't want to be an American anymore. But there there are serious and reasonable reasons, aren't there? Yes, there are. Uh, what I often see are accidental Americans, uh, especially in Europe, those who have an American parent or. Um, uh, those who were born in the United States because their parents were, say, intercompany transferred to the U.S. for a few years. Uh, they have U.S. citizenship either by descent or by birth in the U.S., and their lives are elsewhere. Um, I had, uh, had a, a lot of German clients where they were on transfer to the U.S., their children were born in the U.S., and uh, they just didn't have that 
connection to the country uh, for any sort of reason to carry on the citizenship. Uh, and often this also comes back to tax considerations because the U.S. has taxation on worldwide income that creates reporting obligations, that creates the potential for double taxation. It can create a potential for inheritance tax for the very wealthy families. Uh, so it's uh, expatriation is a way of ensuring that their succession plans, their inheritance plans are uh, carried through and that there isn't a question of some jurisdiction without much connection, other than a citizenship, of coming in and disturbing those plans. Also, you get personal or political reasons. I hate X. I don't agree with this party. I don't want to do this. They can't make me do this. Uh, right. It's going to take that fit of peak that you mentioned. Eh, it exists. Uh, we always hear Americans complaining that they're going to move to Canada until they actually figure out that, wow, moving to Canada is not so easy. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, because this process also takes a long time, that fit of peak would probably have to last a uh, maybe year, 18 months. So uh, it's a long fit of peak too. Percentage-wise, how, percentage how many people do you see? Like, is it financial reasons is about 50% and 50% is they just don't want to be an American or they don't like a political party or is it much more on the financial side? My impression, and I don't have any data to back this up, is that it is more on the financial side. Right. Uh, this isn't a huge program. Uh, last fiscal year that I have numbers for, there were only about 6,000 expatriations around the world. Okay. So uh, it's not massive. It's not something I do every day, but I see it regularly enough, especially with certain client groups, that it's always on the horizon. Okay. Uh, renouncing U.S. citizenship will not have an effect on some things, though, will it? No. Surprise. Um, yeah. So any accrued U.S. tax obligations, any financial obligations that are court ordered, such as child support, if there have been any crimes committed in the U.S., if there are military service or registration requirements that you might be subject to, um, such as 18-year-old males having to require or required to register for selective service, you have to do those. Uh, and you have to carry out the obligations, whether you're a citizen or not. Right. I, I'm assuming then like with the crimes committed. So let's say you had, so first question, can someone with a criminal record uh, go do this process? And second question, I, I suppose if they're on parole, the answer is no. So parole, I would imagine, no, I've never seen that. Um, uh, but I don't believe that because this is, again, a fundamental and personal right, I don't believe the right to expatriation is affected by a criminal past. However, um, if you have continuing obligations to the court, um, say your sentence is incomplete, you're on probation or on parole, uh, that might affect the State Department's issuance, finally, of the certificate of naturalization or loss of naturalization. So uh, they might hold off processing. They might uh, turn it down outright. Uh, it's, this is not a typical situation. So 
I would think if anybody has a similar background to that, we would want to have an in-depth conversation about what could happen and what might not happen in that okay. case. Uh, carrying on to the process itself, which you said is is lengthy and it's uh, very, I guess, stringent. They really take a look at you and they want to make sure you know what you're doing, don't they? Yes, they do. Um, so uh, up on the slide, there's a bit of the process. Uh, you have to make an appointment. <laughs> you have to fill out a number of forms with the renunciation application. Production of quite a bit of documents, not only substantiating your U.S. citizenship, but uh discussing your past, going through where you lived, when you've lived there, uh, who you've worked with. Uh, they really want to know quite a bit of information about you before they decide to let you expatriate. Um, there is usually, in most cases, a telephone interview with a consular officer and then one in person at the final expatriation meeting. At that point, you also have to pay a fairly hefty fee, which uh, now is about 2,350 US dollars. Uh, and at that time, you have to sign the oath of renunciation and give up your passport. So that's why you have to have a second passport because otherwise, where are you gonna go? <laughs> right, does, so, this, does this often take place? I, it raises an interesting question. I mean, if you're standing there when they hand you this certificate of loss of nationality, um, what's, do you have to turn around and get a visitor's visa? Like, does this usually occur in the U.S., or do people uh, tend to be overseas and then do this? Uh, they have to be overseas to do this, actually. Okay. Uh, you cannot do it in the United States. Like, you cannot get a visa in the United States. Uh, you have to be outside of the U.S., and once you've signed the oath of renunciation, paid your fees, and handed over your passport, then uh, the certificate of loss of nationality actually takes a few months to be issued by the U.S. State Department. Okay. The certificate almost seems kind of superfluous, doesn't it? I mean, you're, you're standing there with no documents anyway. But No, in that the issuance of the certificate is actually the effective act to expatriate you. Uh -huh. um, okay. uh, signing the oath is the prerequisite, but it's not until the State Department issues the certificate as to when you are officially expatriated and your future tax obligations would cease. I understand. Okay. Uh, so let's take a look, though. You've got here uh, no retroactive effect, which which is kind of, that is interesting, isn't it? Like, it's not like, hey, I was never an American. That's not true. Oh, no. <laughs> you can't wipe, wipe the slate clean. Right. So you everything that has happened in terms of, you know, tax obligations, military service obligations, the, the things that we discussed before, um, criminal um, expeditions, for instance, those all exist. And losing your U.S. nationality won't change that. Um, uh, the important thing to know is that when a U.S. citizen has a child, uh, either abroad and they get citizenship through descent, or in the U.S. when they are born in the U.S., uh, if a parent renounces U.S. citizenship, the child does not lose their U.S. citizenship. Okay. Same um, would go with like spousal. If you married and then became an American, of course, if your spouse gives it up, that doesn't mean it's going for you too. Exactly. Right. It, because it is, again, a personal right. So nobody else can give up citizenship for you. Uh, parents, spouses, legal guardians, they cannot act for you on this 
in this behalf. Right. And any future travel to the U.S., you're pretty much like everybody else from outside the U.S. Yep. You need a visa, an ESTA, visa waiver program. Uh, you just can't come in in the sometimes shorter line at the airport for U.S. citizens. Right. And what's this you've got here with the renunciation? So it will not affect residency or citizenship by investment applications. That's kind of an interesting wrinkle, isn't it? Because if you're applying for those as an American, and it doesn't really matter, I guess, because you're also applying for it as whatever other nationality you are anyway. Exactly. You have multiple okay. nationalities if you're thinking of giving up your U.S. citizenship. And we do see from time to time that people who like having a, a second passport, maybe just not a U.S. passport, um, but those who like having a second passport will pursue, say, a St. Kitts and Nevis passport or an Antigua passport just so that they have a passport that might open doors for which their current nationality does not open so easily. Um, so oftentimes we'll treat investment by or nationality by investment or citizenship by investment applications at the same time as a loss of U.S. nationality. I see. I mean, that would be a, a method, wouldn't it? You could go, you could do the St. Kitts and Nevis or the Antigua, get that passport and then turn around and then start the renunciation process, correct? Yes. Okay. It's a big, uh, it's a big decision though, isn't it? This, I mean, have you, what's been your experience with it with clients? I mean, do they, are, it, this doesn't happen on a whim, right? No, it doesn't happen on a whim uh, because it, there are so many prerequisites to getting to the point of signing the oath of na uh, loss of nationality, um, the renunciation oath. So, you know, you have to have your taxation up and complete for the last five years plus the year that you're renouncing in. You have to go through these forms. You're going to have us talk to you about irreversible and uh, <laughs> and everything else that we warn you about when we go through this process. Your accounting expert is going to do the same thing, whether it's a CPA or a tax counsel. And we always recommend having tax counsel or at least competent tax advice when going through this process. And then uh, the consular officers are going to do the same thing. They're going to make sure that you know all of the consequences for expatriating because the U.S. just doesn't want to lose citizens. Of course not. Yeah, I mean, that's their tax base. If everybody left, yeah. there's nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael, thanks a lot for joining me again. Uh, very interesting stuff. If you need help uh, with this issue from Michael or any other immigration issue, be sure to look him up. You can email him at moorourke at pacelawfirm.com. Michael, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much, Sean. Take care. Bye-bye.